Hi, and welcome to episode 37 of 5 Minutes of Rum, Notes on Rum, a few minutes at a time. My name is Kevin Updegrove. Today's episode features an overproof rum. No, not the very new Hamilton 151, or at least not yet. I have that, and I'm working through working my way through it right now. Now, in this episode, I'll discuss Lost Spirits 151 Cuban-inspired rum. Uh, this rum hit the market in late summer of 2014, and though it's not a straight substitute for Lemonheart 151, it helped me see overproof possibilities outside of the venerable Lemonheart. I'm also going to talk a little bit about the bar book by Jeffrey Morgenthaler, uh, mention a couple of new accessories I picked up from Cocktail Kingdom, and make two cocktails, a variation on the classic 151 Swizzle and the Peligro. So let's jump right into Lost Spirits. So Lost Spirits is a distillery that is based in Monterey, California, up on the Central Coast. Uh, I first became aware of Lost Spirits uh, a little under a year ago, probably around April, late April or early May of 2014. Uh, and I knew them at first for two rums that were just uh, brand new, at least to me on the market. Those were the Polynesian rums, or excuse me, Polynesian rum and the Navy rum. Uh, the Navy rum came in two different uh, strengths. I think it was a 57 and a 68. Uh, we'll get to those rums in future shows, but those are the first two that I was aware of. I believe before that, uh, Lost Spirits was primarily making whiskey. Um, so anyways, knowing uh, those rums, they were sort of on my radar um, and putting shows together for the second half of the year. I had um, uh, reached out to Lost Spirits, had a chance to talk to Brian and Joanne from Lost Spirits, um, trying to connect on an interview. Uh, Brian and Joanna also came down to Tonga Hut in North Hollywood and did a rum rum club on their rums uh, right before Tiki Oasis of last year. So that would have been in August. Uh, and we had a chance to talk at the Tonga Hut and then later on at Forbidden Island later uh, in the fall in September when the Forbidden Island was doing their parking lot sale. But neither one of those was really a conducive environment to having an in-depth talk. So we're still going to get to that. I'm working on scheduling something with Brian, maybe even doing an interview where there's more than just one voice in the show. That's kind of a novel concept. But anyways, I want to have more of an in-depth talk and get into really some of the uh, hardcore science that Brian puts into his rums. But in the meantime, many others have written and spilled a lot of electronic ink about the Lost Spirits rums. And in particular, this Lost Spirits Cuban-inspired 151 rum. Uh, and so that's what I want to bring up in this episode here. So let's talk first before we get into what those other sites um, have written about it and some of the other knowledge about uh, this rum. But let's talk a little bit about where this particular 150 rum, 151 rum sits on the 151 rum continuum. That was probably not a good sentence to try and put together. Um, so... There was another Lemon Heart stoppage. Uh, I talked a little bit about Lemon Heart 151 in a previous show. Um, and I know at the time I mentioned when, uh, this was probably like four or five years ago, when it went away that time, uh, there was a lot of consternation. Is it coming back? Um, and I admittedly was uh, part of that where I was really kind of like hoarding the 151. Um, about a year ago, um, probably a little less than a year ago, again, probably sometime last summer, there was another instance of, well, Lemon Heart's going to get, you know, they're going to suspend production and we don't know what's really going to happen to this Lemon Heart 151. Um, I wasn't so much worried this time. Uh, one of the reasons I wasn't worried was because I knew that Ed Hamilton from the Ministry of Rum was on the case and he understood the, the value and the importance of a Lemon Heart style 151 overproof rum in terms of uh, new and classic tiki cocktails. 
But the other reason why I wasn't concerned is because there's a rum like this one, this Cuban-inspired 151 from Lost Spirits, uh, that made me realize there is actually a, a ton of potential for new creative cocktails without exclusively trying to mimic old recipes. So no matter how great a zombie 34 zombie is or a jet pilot is with old Lemon Heart 151, there's a lot of potential for some new and interesting creative cocktails if you're using a really quality overproof rum like this Lost Spirits 151 Cuban rum. So even if there was a stoppage or a suspension of Lemon Heart 151, I felt like there was plenty of material to work with if we just stuck to um, the new 151 rum that was coming out from Lost Spirits. So in terms of 151 and where they slot themselves, there's uh, if you think about over 151 proof rums or overproof, uh, you know, severely overproof rums, and I'm going to draw a distinction between some that are uh, at the cutting or at the cusp of overproof, such as a uh, Smith and Cross and a J Ray and Nephew, which are right around like I think 114, 121, 126 proof. Those are also strong rums and, and overproof, but I'm going up into the 151, um, 144 proof rums of say a Bacardi, Plantation, Cruzon, etc. So in, the, in that level of overproof rum, you have your Spanish styles, such as a Bacardi 151 and a Cruzon 151. You have something more of an English style, like a Lemon Heart 151, maybe Gosling's 151 you could make an argument for. Uh, and the English style has a little bit more body, a little bit more aroma. And then the Spanish style would be a little bit more crisp and not necessarily light because it's a you know a still 151 proof rum, but a crispness, a lighter body maybe, and more of an aged oak uh, sort of aroma to it. So... Lost Spirits uh, 151, uh, the Cuban-inspired 151, kind of has its foot on both sides of the fence. So it has that, uh, as its name would imply, it has that Cuban style uh, or crispness. Uh, it's going to be a little bit perhaps lighter body, but it still has full flavor, full aroma for sure of a English style rum. So it kind of puts itself in both camps and is able to straddle those styles very nicely without being that you know really dark uh, Blackstrap style uh, Lemon Heart 151 or Gosling's 151. So it doesn't really fit into either category, but it actually takes uh, great characteristics from both categories. Now, as for the rum itself, uh, there's four links in the show notes that I want you to go take a look at um, of other people who have written about this rum and have done, uh, frankly, quite a great job. And so I don't really want to rehash what they've written, but I think you should go and read it. Um, the four links, the first one is from A Mountain of Crushed Ice. I've linked to this blog before, um, and the author has done, she's done a very good job of not just getting into what the rum is, but then she uh, she does very good cocktails for it. So if you go look at her site, I think, uh, uh, again, so for this particular rum, she did four cocktails, um, and that's a, you'll, so you'll get a lot of inspiration on things you can make with this rum from uh, the Mountain of Crushed Ice page. Uh, next up, um, I linked to Rum Dude's page where he does a really good in-depth review of this rum. So uh, he knows his rum uh, inside and out, uh, a great site if you're not already reading that. Uh, but I definitely would go and read his article, particular, particular to this rum, because he kind of goes in-depth on that, not so much the process, although he touches on that, but also does a really good job of talking about um, the, the different notes of this rum um, and a wealth of information there. The third link that I have is an article that gets into very specifically how Lost Spirits makes rum, has some great pictures and some great information in it. And it was written um, by uh, Camper English on the Alcademic site. Uh, Alcademics, as you might in, uh, infer from the name, it's going to go in depth on the process here. He has some good notes. It gets in a little bit more into the science. Uh, you're going to learn a lot about esters. 
you're going to learn a lot about alcohols and the different compounds that come together. Um, hopefully that doesn't sound too dry because it's not. It's super interesting, especially when you read what you know goes into making this rum. So definitely go and check out Alcademics for the article on uh, making the rum at Lost Spirits. And then the last one is a really in-depth article on that kind of combines many of these topics. Well, not so much the cocktails, but on the inspiration that went into this rum and then the process that goes into making this rum. Um, and that's on the Cocktail Wonk website. So he's written several articles um, about Lost Spirits. This one in particular that I've linked to is particular to the Cuban-inspired rum, uh, gets into what the idea was in making it, some of the challenges with making this rum, how it compares to some of the other ones in the Lost Spirits line, and then talks a little bit about, for instance, the fact that I think uh, Brian is working on a, a 90-proof uh, Blanco version of uh, Cuban-inspired rum as well that has yet to hit the market, but it sounds like it's on its way based on what I've said in this or, or what I've read in this article. So again, all four of those articles are linked in the show notes. Um, once you've poured yourself a glass of this Lost Spirits rum, uh, go and, and spend some time reading those articles because there really is a great wealth of information in there. Okay, so where can you find the Lost Spirits Cuban-inspired 151 rum? Uh, you're not going to find it at your local BevMo or Total Wine or even your local grocery store. Um, it's just not that kind of distribution. Uh, but you will find it at many specialty retailers uh, in Southern California. I know I can find it at High Time. I can find it at uh, Beverage Warehouse, excuse me, and I can find it at K&L, among other places. Uh, there's a, a local uh, store out here I've recently discovered that also stocks it. Uh, so specialty liquor retailers, you'll probably be able to find it or at least have them order it. Uh, it's not like it's impossible to find, but it is carried at probably like a, a more specialized uh, retailer. Um, the bottle is incredible. So Brian also does the labels on all the bottles. Uh, definitely some pictures of that in the show notes. Um, and when we get to the Navy rum and the Polynesian rum, you'll see some great art on there as well. If you look at the bottle, in this case with the Cuban inspired 151, uh, you get a very classic, um, what I call it, yeah, I guess, a Art Deco style. Uh, there's a plane on there. There's a Art Deco font. It just, it's a really sharp looking label. I think that uh, Brian could probably uh, sell posters or t-shirts of the labels for his rums in addition to just putting them, slapping them on a bottle and uh, for shipping. So they're, they're real, excuse me, they look very sharp. Um, let's see, let, now let's do a little tasting. I have mine here. Um, now I did my tasting notes before I did the research on the rum itself. So I was curious to see when I went back and looked at it after I've read the articles, how close I was to other tastings and where I was off on. Um, and I think there were some things that I picked up on and other things I certainly did not pick up on. Uh, when you, again, if you go read um, Rum Dude's site, there's a couple of things I can say, oh yeah, I also picked up on that, but then he's got a more refined palate and he's picking up things that I don't really necessarily get. But generally speaking, I want to do my tasting before I go and read what other people have written because that way I don't feel like I'm getting their impressions and then sort of implanting the idea in my head. So in terms of aroma, uh, in the bottle and in the glass, this is a, a golden maple syrup brown. Uh, not light like you'd find in a Puerto Rican or a Virgin Islands 151. And also, like I mentioned before, not the deep dark shade of a Lemonheart 151 or Gosling's. Uh, if you swirl it in the glass, you get a, a razor thin ring around the glass when it's swirled. And then that leads to some slowly forming uh, droplets. Uh, in terms of aroma, this is a very aromatic rum. As soon as the bottle is open, you it makes its presence known. And then even more so when you pour it and swirl it. Um, sticking your nose in the glass here. It's astringent on the nose, as you'd expect. It is 151 proof, uh, but it doesn't burn. Um, it just, you know, it's it's warning you, hey, there's there's something pretty potent in here. Uh, I found it to be a fairly complex nose with maybe some burnt sugar and a little bit of oakiness. 
um, and also a little bit of funk that you might expect from an English style rum. So again, where I was talking about before, it's not entirely that crisp and clean Spanish style. It's got a little bit more body and a little bit more funk, you know, beneath the circus or circus beneath the surface. I haven't had that much of it yet. I assure you, uh, taste. Uh, so this is a, a warm rum, as you would expect, very clean bodied. Uh, it's crisp, but I wouldn't characterize it as thin. Um, and I do expect that light crispness, uh, for a Spanish style rum. So it's not surprising at all. Uh, what is surprising if you pardon me, Mm. what's surprising to me is how sippable this is for a high proof rum. You get a little bit of sugar on the initial sip, almost like a buttery slash butterscotch, but it's definitely not too sweet. Um, if that makes any sense, you get the butterscotch note, you know, it's there, but it's not sugary sweet. I'm not sure that really translates, but it tries some, I think you'll figure it out. Um, in terms of finish, obviously you feel the warmth on your throat, but it doesn't burn. Um, and it lingers for a while, but it's a, in my mind, it's a nice smooth finish. Um, and then, in terms of the um, flavors you pick up, I pick up more of the barrel or the aging or the wood notes on the finish as opposed to when I initially taste it, which is where I get the, the butterscotch or the, the caramel fla uh, flavor uh, from the initial taste. Um, something I don't normally do, but I did in this case for this rum, was I added an ice cube to it just to see how it changes. Um, it does cool the rum off a little bit. Um, and it also seems in, to me to open up some additional fruit notes. Not that I picked out any particular fruit, but it seemed to open it up a little bit more that way. Um, I don't think I prefer it uh, with the ice cube because I like the the warmness of sipping it neat and the fact that it makes you go slow and kind of appreciate the rum. Um, adding the ice cube cooled it down a little bit um, and almost made it a little something I was rushing a little bit more through. So to sum up this rum, um, I find this to be a great overproof rum, uh, highly sippable and obviously highly potent for mixing in cocktails, tiki or otherwise. Um, and what I like about it in particular is that due to the profile it has, which is unique to me, as far as I can tell, it's unique on the market. I don't know of another rum like it. Uh, it opens up a lot of possibilities for making new uh, rum-based or tiki-inspired, if you will, concoctions. So to me, this was a really well-executed aged overproof rum uh, that just you know leaves the, the playing field wide open for things you might want to do with it. Now, a couple other things I want to mention uh, briefly, some other things you may want to add to your uh, library slash repertoire. Um, I think I blogged about this a while ago when I got it, but I bought it last June. I don't know if I've mentioned it much on the, sh on the show, but I bought uh, The Bar Book by Jeffrey Morgenthaler. Uh, Jeffrey Morgenthaler is a uh, bartender and bar manager who is based up in Portland, Oregon. Uh, he uh, manages Clyde Common, and the newest uh, bar that he has is... I get the name here, Pepe Le Moco, which I visited last October when I was in uh, in Portland. And a quick aside, um, if you have a chance to visit it, it's pretty awesome. Uh, the conceit there is taking some perhaps maligned drinks, or maybe even just some drinks that are you know fairly standard, and taking them you know taking them to their natural um, well, not really their natural, but just executing them really really well. So I had a fantastic old fashioned there. But some of the other things that you might not expect to see on a craft cocktail bar menu that are there and well executed are things like a grasshopper and an amaretto sour. So uh, an interesting take on on cocktails at Pepe Lomoco, but that's kind of going off topic here a little bit. Anyways, so Morgenthaler is the person who manages those locations and then he wrote this book called The Bar Book. Uh, the idea behind the book is that this is a reference on bartender technique and an approach to bartending, but not a standard recipe book. Uh, so it does have recipes, but that's not the primary point of it. Uh, when I got it, I pretty much ran through it in like two days, maybe a day and a half. 
Um, and that was just reading it in the evening. I, it was a, not that it was an easy read, but it was so much good information that I really wanted to keep reading it until I was done. Um, and candidly, when I read through it and saw info that, uh, frankly, didn't contradict the stuff that I do in my home bar, uh, it kind of gave me a little bit more reassurance that I was on the right track with some of the things that I'm doing. And I got the, uh, and I picked up a lot of new, interesting information and tips on where to maybe spend some money on gear and where not to spend money on gear. Um, and just some other tips on, you know, things like stirring and just stuff that seems like it might be simple, but once you learn, uh, how to do it well, it becomes, um, just something you can, something you can have more fun with because you're, you're gaining a little bit more knowledge. Anyways, in, in terms of tips, I'll, I'll give you one example from the, uh, from the bar book. Uh, there's an example in, in early on in the book where, uh, Morgenthaler went through, um, a process to prove or disprove the best way to maximize the yield when juicing lemons. So, you know, you can have refrigerator versus room temperature lemons. If for room temperature, they're not going to keep as long as refrigerated. Uh, sometimes you roll them before you juice them. Sometimes you don't roll them. You know, which of these combinations is going to give you the biggest bang for the buck? Because obviously, if you want to refrigerate them to keep them longer, then is, you know, is that going to result in less juice because it's cold? And should you roll it? Cause that's going to take time. Um, the, the bottom line was, you know, save time on prep. Um, the data that was produced said that the fruit kept in the fridge, uh, you know, you don't need to warm it. You don't need to roll it before juicing. You actually get just as much juice from a cold lemon stored in a refrigerator as you do from one that was left out and rolled to sort of loosen the pulp. So anyways, a lot of great examples like that and not just assertions, but actually based on, you know, some data that's, that's put out there. So Highly recommend getting this book. Uh, there's a link to it in the show notes, both to Jeffrey Morgenthaler's site and also to the book on Amazon. Um, and, you know, maybe read it every six months or so. Give yourself a refresher, unless you're a bartender and you do this day in and day out, and then you're getting the practice already. But, you know, still, it's a good reference point. Uh, the other thing uh, that I have pictures of in the show notes, a couple of things I picked up from Cocktail Kingdom. There's a link to Cocktail Kingdom in the show notes. If you haven't been there, they are a uh, retailer uh, online, I believe, based out of New York. Uh, they sell a great many uh, cocktail items that are of interest to uh, people who are, you know, interested in, in cocktails at home, uh, shaking tins, jiggers, uh, strainers, glassware, books, all kinds of great stuff. So in particular, I, tra- um, I, I got, excuse me, a couple new things. Um, I got shaking tins, uh, which is a different version of a Boston shaker. Um, in reference, in other, in other episodes, I, if I'm shaking, I'm always making reference to a Boston shaker. And generally to this point, I was using a metal tin on one side and a pint glass on the other. Um, I've now traded that in for a essentially two tins, one an 18 ounce tin, the other one a 28 ounce tin. Uh, you can comfortably make two drinks in that. And then they're both, um, you know, when, when used together, much easier to shake and they're much easier to separate, uh, get better cooling. So uh, there's uh, pictures and links to that in the show notes as well. You might want to check those out if you don't have them. Um, I prefer a Boston shaker style to the strainer style. Uh, but that's just me. And then the the other thing I picked up was a Hawthorne strainer, which is a, a picture in the, there's a picture of that in the show notes as well. Uh, Hawthorne strainer versus julep strainer. Uh, the Hawthorne one is the one that looks like it has a giant spring attached to a piece of metal uh, that you hold over one side of your uh, container cup and then strain out. The julep strainer we'll talk about in a different show, but that one uh, is, you know, it's named after being the strainer of choice for a mint julep. Anyways, uh, Cocktail Kingdom had a very nice Hawthorne strainer that um, uh, I found, you know, it's, it's fairly heavy duty, easy to clean, uh, solid construction. So, um, not that I'm necessarily plugging cocktail kingdom, but if you're looking for a place to, uh, find some, some cool stuff for your home bar, um, it's a, it's a good place to shop quick shipping. And I've, 
also got potions of the Caribbean from uh, from that uh, from Cocktail Kingdom as well. So check them out if you haven't already. So two recipes in this episode. Uh, let's start off by talking about the 151 Swizzle, the Tiki Tea inspired version of the 151 Swizzle for me. Uh, there's a number of 151 Swizzle recipes floating out there. Uh, the 151 Swizzle is an old Don Beach classic from the 40s. Uh, Beach Bum Berry published a recipe that called for lemon heart, uh, 151, uh, lime juice, simple syrup, bitters, and Pernod. That concoction uh, in that uh, in that way is flash blended and garnished with a cinnamon stick. So, and then one of the drinks I like to order at Tiki Tea in LA is the 151 Swizzle. The Tiki Tea is owned by Mike Buen, who's the son of Ray Buen, a former Don's bartender who played an extremely important part in Tiki cocktail culture. Uh, in fact, there's a whole chapter devoted to Ray Buen and Sip and Safari, and Tiki Tea has a direct lineage to the original Don the Beachcomber um, down in Hollywood. So anyway, the 151 Swizzle at Tiki Tea is slightly different in that it has a very, to me, pronounced cinnamon flavor and not just the garnish. Um, that And they use a lighter style 151 rum as opposed to lemon heart when they serve it at the Tiki Tea. Now, uh, across the country in South Florida, friend of the show Hurricane Hayward uh, put together something on his blog or on his website called the Atomic Grog, uh, a section called the Mai Kai Cocktail Guide. The Mai Kai is also an extremely important location uh, in tiki cocktail history that itself can be traced directly back to Don Beach and his original cocktails by way of, of their original bartender, uh, Mariano. Uh, Jim works his way through the Mai Kai cocktail menu and helped crack the code on how to replicate the drinks at home. Uh, if you want to make some Mai Kai, co- Mai Kai cocktails at home, the uh, guide with obviously a link to it in the show notes is an is a invaluable resource. And then he also attempts to cre- create what he calls tribute recipes for either cocktails that are no longer on the menu or cocktails that have been reformulated over the years. Now, I was browsing this cocktail guide um, a couple years ago and decided I ran across the tribute recipe to the 151 Swizzle and decided to make it. Now, if you look at the article today, which I've linked to in the show notes for the tribute recipe for the 151 Swizzle at the Maikai, you'll see that it's gone through many incarnations. At the time, though, there this was a particular version of it. And when I tasted it, what it reminded me of was not obviously the one that's in the Beach Berry books, but it reminded me of the one that I'm tasting at Tiki Tea. So um, I made that a few times, bookmarked it, and then uh, eventually I went back to it once to make it, remember, the, or you know, get the recipe and make it at home again. I noticed that um, that Jim had updated the guide and now had different ingredients. And again, it's a really interesting read to go through and see how it's changed over time. Um, but myself and a couple other people had uh, emailed him and left, or left a comment on, on the site and said, hey, can you throw the other version back up there? Because it might not be exactly true to what the Maikai is producing now or what they produced before. But that was actually a pretty good cocktail. And I really liked the fact that it tasted to me very similar to the one of the Tiki Tea. So anyways, he, he put it back up uh, very nicely, called it the uh, tribute to the Maikai's 151 Swizzle V1. And you can see that up on, on the site. Um, so, um, you know, to me, this was uh, it, because it reminded me of the Tiki Tea version. And it seemed like this was a, a good one to, maybe bridge the fact that Tiki Tea uses um, a, a lighter or a Spanish style 151. I think in fact, sometimes they, if not all the time, they pour it with Bacardi 151 um, and then use that with the Cuban inspired uh, Lost Spirits 151 to get maybe the spirit of that Spanish style 151 rum, but a little bit more flavor. So without further ado, the recipe for this cocktail is three quarter ounce of fresh lime juice, one ounce of cinnamon syrup, three drops of Pernod, two ounces of Lost Spirits 151 Cuban-inspired rum, two dashes of Angostura bitters, and then flash blend that for about five seconds in a spindle blender. 
and then pour into a Collins glass or a chilled metal cup if you have one. That would be the traditional way of serving it. Add more crushed ice to fill the glass and then dust it with freshly grated cinnamon, um, excuse me, freshly grated nutmeg and a cinnamon stick. Um, I have one here to taste and hang on just a moment. Mm. So it does give me that memory of the Tiki Tea version, which I get there, which is that cinnamon flavor. But the Cuban inspired rum, the Lost Spirits 151 Cuban inspired, really punches through and makes itself known. Um, this is a, a really good drink. And again, kind of like when sipping it neat, it kind of makes you slow down and not not really um, finish it too quickly, which is a, a good trait for a uh, an overproof rum. So I definitely encourage you to go check out the uh, Maikai uh, uh, cocktail guide. Uh, try this one at home once you get yourself a bottle of the 151 uh, Lost Spirits 151. Um, it's a very, very uh, great version of the uh, 151 Swizzle. All right. Uh, second recipe. So the second recipe is something I concocted once I got a bottle of this rum. And I have since called it the peligro, which is danger in Spanish. Um, and to borrow a phrase that I've read in one of Jeff Barry's books in reference to Lemonheart 151, um, he says he made the cocktail the heart of darkness because Lemonheart 151 was his favorite rum. Uh, but if you sip it neat, it, it tends to end your evening very early. Uh, I would say in, in reference to sipping the Lost Spirits 151 neat, uh, I find it much the same way. I find it nice to sip. I really like it. Uh, but if I sip it neat for too long, it's going to end my night pretty early. Uh, and so this is just a, and then the drink itself is just a straight riff on a standard daiquiri. Um, and that's the way I test most new rums when I get them. I make a daiquiri with them. So um, just wanted to bring a little bit extra flavor to the party since this rum is complex and assertive enough to work through uh, other ingredients. So a normal daiquiri, you're going to use the rum, the lime juice, and simple syrup. In this case, I changed up the uh, syrup a little bit because I knew that it could stand up to a little bit more flavor. So the recipe for the Peligro is two ounces of Lost Spirits 151 Cuban-inspired rum, one ounce of fresh-squeezed lime juice, only fresh-squeezed, and then one half ounce of falernum, homemade if you have it. Uh, check the episode guide on Five Minutes of Rum for the episode in which we talked about falernum. Shake all of those ingredients in a shaker tin filled with ice and then strained into a chilled cocktail glass. Um, in terms of garnish, the aroma that you get from the Lost Spirits Cuban uh, 151 rum, that's the only garnish you're going to need on this cocktail. I wouldn't put anything else on it. Now, to my palate, um, it's pretty amazing how smooth and drinkable this drink is considering it has two full ounces of 151 rum. Um, so hence the name Peligro or Danger. Too many of these and you won't know really know what hits you. Um, I've had two of them in an evening and I know the the... The sort of cliche to say, you know, Don the Beach used to say, you can only have two zombies in an evening, that's it. Um, I wouldn't say you can only have two of these in an evening, but I will say that if you have two of these, you're going to be feeling it. Um, so if you want to dial the potency back a little bit, feel free to drop the rum component down to an ounce and a half of the rum or even lower. And if you go even lower to do like one ounce, then you also want to proportionately drop the amount of lime juice and falernum. But again, I find this to be um, a little bit odd when you drink it. It's delicious, but you're very surprised. You would think with a 151 rum in there, it's going to be a, a little bit more um, in your face about it, but I, I find it extremely drinkable. Uh, that's it. That's probably plenty for this episode of 5 Minutes of Rum. Uh, thank you for listening. The show links are up on the 5 Minutes of Rum website. That's number 5 minutesofrumcom the show is also on iTunes as 5 Minutes of Rum. On iTunes, you can subscribe, you can rate the show, you can even leave a review. Uh, the show is also on Twitter as at 5 Minutes of Rum. That's the at symbol, number 5 Minutes of Rum. 
Please send any comments, corrections, feedback, or requests you have via either the 5 Minutes of Rum website or on Twitter. And now, go get some rum. <laughs>